Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Butcher of Truth himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm exhausted. How are you? I am actually feeling pretty good. You sound a lot more exhausted than I feel, I feel like. This is backwards. Usually you're the one who's saying you're tired. I know. Just just one of those one of those days. I actually I think on the inside I'm drained, but on the outside I'm at least exuding the the appearance of uh, energy. So nice. I am uh, exuding exhaustion on both the inside and outside. <laughs> oh, so no. I believe in consistency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, consistent results. Uh, so what what's been going on this week? Uh, I mean, not much. Just a lot of work. Okay. I, it feels ridiculous saying that as somebody who's scheduled for forty hours every week, mm-hmm. and then I come home. At the end of the week, I'm like, how did I work like 50 yeah. or more hours? Um, but just a lot of work and a lot of not sleep. And then a lot. I've been playing a lot of Modern this week. Oh, cool. And a fair amount of League of Legends. <laughs> nice. Have you gotten anybody else into it? I have not. Uh, but. You know, I've been, I mentioned I've been playing with some friends from college, so cool. that's been pretty cool. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, trying to, we're actually settling on the house tomorrow, so I am, you know, we're just signing last minute stuff and I'm just trying to make plans for the next uh, couple days. I also had my birthday this weekend, so we were, this past weekend was just like packed of just going places, meeting, uh, talking to people. Uh, a couple plans ended up getting canceled last minute, which actually kind of worked out. I got to relax a little bit towards the end. But um, doing that was kind of exhausting. And we also, I won my fantasy football game, um, which was exciting. I, I thought I was going to get de- destroyed, but uh, ended up in my favor. So that was a nice surprise. What, what did you end up doing for your birthday? We ended up uh, dropping off the baby uh, with my, with her grandparents. And then we ended up just going out for a nice lunch sans baby, which is, like, sounds really, really basic, but, like, it's really nice to have, like, a couple hours where there's no one crying, you don't have to feed anybody besides yourself. Um, We got uh, strawberry daiquiris, which were nice. Um, And then we literally (laughs) came home and just, like, slept for, like, an hour. Um, And then we ended up actually, my wife made um, her world-famous carrot cake, uh, which I know you're not a big carrot cake fan, but... Uh, maybe... I do like carrot cake. I'm just allergic to carrots. So it's awkward. <laughs> so it, it, but it's probably not and the And I best. don't like when they have raisins. No, she doesn't She doesn't do raisins. She has, um... Like, Ice. No, raisins, the raisins are gross. Because you need moisture, but, like, pineapple, I <laughs> think, gives it a better um, moisture than, like, raisins. The raisins are weird. Raisins are just, like, wasted grapes. You cannot convince me otherwise. No, that's fair. I like. I think they're like travel grapes. So like, if you were a like a ruler, like a, you know a king, you take you eat grapes. But if you're a soldier, you have raisins. Yeah, well, I'm clearly a king. So. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we ended up having dinner with my um, my parents and uh, my um, brother and his wife. So a nice little little family get together. But yeah, it was it was good. Definitely, once again, doing birthdays and things in 
the age of COVID is definitely a little different, but it was it was definitely a good time. Good. Glad you had a good time. All right. Uh, do you want to jump into some um, modern decks? Sure. Cool. All right. So every week they have uh, two modern challenges, two legacy challenges on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. Um, let's start off with the Saturday modern challenge. Uh, this is one by, I'm assuming this name is Gargamel. Um, <laughs> with, with a six instead of a G initially. Uh, but Gargamel playing uh, Death and Taxes. It's actually pretty sweet. Um, and this deck, just looking at the list, looks, I think, pretty straightforward. I really do like the, there's a copy of a main deck copy of Linvala Keeper of Silence, though, which I haven't seen in a while. I remember when that card was everywhere in Modern. That card was a beating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like, obviously, I don't know how, if this has really changed that much, but I feel like there used to be more creatures with activated abilities in, in Modern. Um, and I'm not sure if that if that's actually changed at all. There might be there might be more now, but... Um, well, there... I think the big difference is there used to be more Maliropod decks. Well, I mean, mm. obviously there were more because it was legal, and now it's not. <laughs> no, it's not, yeah. But... <laughs> I think just being able to shut off that deck in particular was huge. I think else used to weirdly see more play back then. Mm -hmm. Trying to think of what other decks had activated abilities. The the big one I can think of is actually Splinter Twin. Yes. Um, that was the one. Because um, I used to play, like you said, I actually used to play this in um, a collect company deck. Um, not Millie or Pod, but uh, like Millie or Company. Um, you needed the quarter callings to get this out, right? We needed it, but you, the big thing was it was a, a good blocker for um, Pestermite that also shut off the, the combo from Splinter Twin or Kiki Jiki. I guess when people were still playing Kiki Jiki. Um, so it was good there. I guess now there there has to be a couple cards that I'm thinking that I'm missing, but I'm not sure if they added any more activated ability cards recently. Like, I know. Uh, like Skyclave Apparition, which of, of course is in this deck, um, isn't really an activated ability. Um, Uro is not an activated ability on that card either. Um, so I'm not sure if they're if they brought it into attack something specific, but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean the only thing I can really think of that hits is Stoneforge Mystic in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I, I feel like that's kind of minimal. I mean, like I guess Giver of Runes too. Um, Oh, it hits Elvish Reclaimer, which is seeing a lot of play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Elvish Reclaimer is a big one. Feels a little bit slow for that, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're going to have to, like, as we're going through, have to like, keep a count of, like, what is Linvala actually, you know, protecting you against. Um, also, have you, I don't know if you've seen this, too. I've seen this card a lot more now. The Skyclave, uh, Skyclave Clerics uh, just popping up randomly in main decks. I hadn't really caught that, but it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's just those cards, by which I mean uh, the modal double-faced lands, are just really good in general. They probably aren't seeing as much play as they should. Like, they went straight in the unfair decks, mm -hmm. but they're still just really good in fair decks because uh, they help. They just help your land ratio out so much, mm -hmm. getting to play it as, um, as a land early or have it late game if you need. Plus, in the taxes deck, you get the added benefit of if your Reflectorus doesn't have any appealing targets, 
if you have one of them in play, just turning it into a creature in the late game, getting some some additional value. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just in, in case you haven't seen this card, uh, Sky, Skyclave Cleric uh, is a two-mana, one-three, uh, one and a white. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it gains two life, and the backside of it is a, a tapped land. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting card, and it's definitely one of those ones... You know, really, how powerful are these double face lands? That like this is an effect that you're you're happy with, right? Like I, I still think if you're looking at this list, for example, like they have you know one copy of Linvala and they have two copies of Sky Cleric and Office, so they're hitting different parts of the the mana curve. But um, it's interesting that you would have essentially have the room for something like that, an effect like that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're very good. I think they should probably see more play. Um, you know, I just mentioned that interaction. I I got wrecked by the, the Flicker was versus modal uh, modal double face land. They really need a better better name than that. I know some people are calling them spell lands. Okay. I don't love that either. Yeah. But anyways, I was playing a game. My opponent Flicker was their glass pull mimic land. I don't Ooh. remember what it's called in the back half. So then they've turned their land into a second Flicker was with. <laughs> then flickered my land <laughs> so mm. my land was an actual spell on the other side so it didn't even come back in so it was just Jeez. their flicker was gave them six power and stone rain me it was insane that's pretty good oh man yeah in this deck um yeah interesting it's always cool one thing and we talk about this all the time i think it's interesting to have death and taxes be um so good in the format right now but i think it's a good change of pace um also in terms of change of pace did you see this list um i think i i guess it's really a blue white but i guess the splashing simian spear guide but a, like a blue white charbelcher deck yeah i i don't know if you can ever say something splashing simian spear guide <laughs> like you're not really trying to play it no that's true um, but yeah, I've seen this deck popping up lately. I've heard it's good, although I haven't really seen it in action. I know um, Cherryman, who is a somewhat popular streamer, was playing it on. I think I think that he streamed it. Um, I think I've seen a couple other people stream it. It doesn't look good to me on paper, if mm. we're being honest. But I, it's not even that it looks bad. It just kind of looks slow. Yeah, but I mean, it's neat. You get to actually play Serum Visions in your combo deck, which is nice. Uh, disrupting Shoal and forcing, or Disrupting Shoal seems pretty good for protecting your combo. Plus, uh, having Jirari Disruption, which is a land that doesn't see a lot of play, but I feel like it's really good. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I get it. And having Teferi to protect your combo is really good. It just feels like. It's just so much slower than the, than the other builds, but it's also more resilient, so maybe that's good enough. Yeah, I think Disrupting Shoal, I think, I think all the Shoals, right, in my mind, should be really playable and really good. Um, obviously, the green one's been seeing, I guess, historically, sees the most play. Um, the white one was actually good in standard, I guess, well, I guess it was still Type 2 back then, but um, the Disrupting Shoal, and obviously Blazing Shoal was is banned, so... <laughs> That card, the card obviously has, has done its worth, uh, worth but uh, Disrupting Shoal should be better, I, I'm going to say. Like, it's one of those cards that I constantly think, 
um, like if you compare it to something like Fourth of Will, right? There are um, a good number of times that you are pitching, um, I'll say like pitching a, which I'm even a card, um, a ponder, um, to counter something like a source of plowshares and legacy, right? Like so, this in my mind should translate decently to modern, where a lot of the cards that you really want to counter um, are going to be either two or three mana a lot of times. And you're playing so many two or, two or three drops in this deck, especially. A lot of two drops. I don't know. I think part of the issue, though, is it's so hard to get your mana cost to line up against whatever they are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do you have to have the same CMC in your hand, but you have to be okay with pitching it, too. I think mm-hmm. that's a big ask. I think it does get a huge help in this deck, though, because all your lands are the double face lands mm. so they all are spells so you just have more options in hand things you can pitch to it which is nice yeah and like i don't think you're gonna pitch i don't think you're gonna counter anything by pitching uh seagate restoration <laughs> but um uh, you might what what, what could you, you could you could counter turn temper symbiosis oh my gosh it'd be so brutal yeah it'd be sweet you could counter that that is true um but i mean like at the very least like Mana leak, once again, is a, is a two drop you could very easily hit. You have the selective memory, so you could uh, possibly hit something like a cryptic command. Um, and even like with the uh, theorem visions, you also could counter something like uh, I can't think of the card is called. Lost it off my head for some reason. Ah, spell pierce. There we are. That took me a while. Uh, so you counter something like spell pierce, uh, which would be pretty good for goblin shard belcher. So I guess you, I guess you have a good number of. A good variety. Uh, once again, there are a bunch of two drops in this deck. So, uh, but that and the fourth negation. But the fourth negation is kind of awkward too because, like, I I imagine if you want to counter a spell, you want to be doing it on your turn, not on their turn. So, I'm not sure. how... Yeah, I had that thought too. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know how good that card actually is in this deck. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that should be good, but like in practice, is actually not decent in this deck, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It, I'm sure it can't be, like, the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And, again, this deck's kind of slow, so just slowing your opponent down a little bit gives you time to set up, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this one's actually playing, like, another, uh, let's recopy this uh, Skycleaf Cleric. This is just, like, the new hotness. <laughs> Taken the format by storm. Yeah. Get your two mana one threes, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. But I do like that. Like, I mean, this obviously does help slow down the game for you if you actually do need to cast it uh, face up. Um, same thing with the uh, Bayin Veil. Uh, creatures your opponent controls get negative two, negative O until end of the turn for uh, one and a blue. Like, Obviously, the backside of it's a land, but it does buy you some time, hopefully, if you need it um, for the more aggressive decks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely seems like spelling your opponent down is just a very cohesive plan here. I don't know. All right, um, let's see uh, what happened on Sunday in the, that modern challenge. Um, 
this one's actually won by Patheus84, which sounds like a cool name. I'm playing Ad Nauseam. And this deck, nothing super spicy. I mean, as far as this deck goes, uh, copy of Granite Abolisher on the sideboard. Nothing, nothing super cool, though. I feel like I haven't seen this deck in a while. Um, I know Sodex has been playing it um, on and off. Um, obviously, it's one of the people I follow. And looking at kind of recent results, it looks like um, Patheus has been playing it a bunch, but also uh, Jack, Cart, uh, Cashton have been playing it a decent amount to, to decent results. A um, couple 5-0s and um, like top 16 finishes. So, I mean, like, I think it's still there. I just think it's not um, at the front of everyone's mind. I, one thing, I, I still think the modern format right now has just had so many um, Uro decks that people, the Uro kind of draws attention uh, from a lot of what what else is happening. And obviously Death and Exodus have been doing a lot better. Uh, but I still think the Analysium deck has been, like, you know, around, like, kind of lurking in the shadows. So, that's an interesting. Um, but I did like, I don't know if you saw the Mono Red Blitz deck. I haven't seen this deck in a while either. This deck's everywhere. What are you talking about? What? No, I feel like, I feel like I've seen like, Is It Blitz? And I've seen like, you know, the Rack Your Shadows list. But I haven't seen like, just a straight Mono Red deck in a while. I think you're a crazy person. <laughs> Right. Uh, I feel like nobody's been playing Is It lately, and this deck is still super popular. Uh, no small part to the fact that it's what the trophy leader plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the I guess I I don't know <laughs> this version. Monk is playing um, four copies of Cleansing Wildfire on the board. I really don't think you need Cleansing Wildfire. I'm going to be honest. I think having a land hate effect is good. Uh, I don't think Cleansing Wildfire is good in this deck, but I understand the logic. Hmm. Getting to draw a card, so like at, at worst, it's still a cantrip, yeah. uh, which is kind of good for the mono red prowess deck, but I don't think the card actually does enough. But I guess you really don't need to buy that much time if you're killing very quick. Yeah. I mean, like historically, I think... You know, the, for these red decks, like, I think the, like, the quote-unquote land decks, like Tron and things like that, are, are typically a really nice matchup. Um, and this version isn't playing um, Obosh or anything like that, right? So this is actually playing Bedlam Reveler. Like, you can, you can actually just kill them on, like, turn four relatively easily. Like, these decks have a lot of, uh, a pre pretty good quick, especially something like uh, Kill and Fiend in the main deck. Um, can kill you pretty quick, and then... If you need to reload, uh, you have enough burn to kind of finish up the job later. So I, I thought that was an interesting five-word choice. I, I, again, I, I like having the land hate, but I just feel like it should be Blood Moon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Blood Moon, I think, does more of what you want it to do. Um, except for things like verse, like Titan Shift, but like that's this. I don't think Titan Shift is really a player in this format, so. It's not. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that deck in a long time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And, like, this deck kind is... sad how it went from being a pillar to just, like, non-existent. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you 
if we're talking about like why Titan Shift's not around anymore, it, it, it mainly it's the fact that it's the worst primeval Titan deck, right? Like you're better off just playing Amulet, I feel like. Oh, I mean, I agree, but it's still sad. <laughs> to me, but like you, you helped kill it. This is partially your fault. Well, don't make me sound like a bad guy. Fine, if you, Dilks, Ayers, Megalith, all bad guys. It's all bad guys. I'll throw Domigan in there too. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you even played the deck, but he's throwing him in. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll try. I guess when when it comes back, we'll try our best to get it back on on shop. I just I just feel like it's a lot of so it's just better, obviously better primeval titan decks, unfortunately. Um, and the, I think the one copy in this list in this top eight, but I think there's like two in the next the next event we're looking at, so which is I guess always good. Um, I do want to take a second to just appreciate. The long-term commitment, devotion, probably a better word, devotion to blue that Shock Trooper has given to Mono Blue Tron. Because I, one thing, I think of, like, cola. I'm like, ah, oh, it's Coca-Cola. It's obviously Coca-Cola. It's the only cola that I can think of. And I think of root beer, and I'm like, oh, it has to be Barks. And when I think of Mono Blue Tron, the only human being I think of is Shock Trooper. <laughs> There's no other person who plays this deck as religiously and as stubbornly as Shock Trooper. It's true. Um, I mean, Shock Trooper has to have other challenge top eights with this deck too, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, like, they... Okay. This is, I mean, they have this. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, like, super recent. Um, they filed a little league today, apparently. <laughs> or I'm sure it was, like, the past week, but... Um, yeah, they got. Oh no, actually, somebody else got a challenge earlier this uh, earlier in October. But no, I just, I don't know. And this is my thing too. I just shock troopers just like have these cards on Magic Online, or do they have like a mana truth that kind of just keep renting the same cards? Because like at, at some point you just you just buy the card, right, and stop stop renting through I mana mean, traders. They've been streaming the stack for like at least a couple of years now, so mm. I assume they own the cards since they've been streaming this since before Mana Traders came out. Okay. That's madness. Um, is this, I, I always think this deck is so cool, though, like, when, when you actually... I hate playing against it. I'm going to, I guess, throw that out there. Um, I feel like whenever I play against it, I, I'm like, okay, my run, my Mono Red deck is going to love this, and I get chaliced on turn, turn two. I'm like, ah, that's terrible. Um, I honestly think Mono Blue Tron is one of the most underplayed decks in the format, and I say that all the time. It's just like, well, I mean, it's a it's just a really good control deck, right? Like in a lot of ways, um, like I think Condescend is an underplayed card. Um, I think Cyclonic Rift is messed up. Like that's one of those cards where it's like humans, whenever they get Cyclonic Rifted, they're just like, "Ooh, I just the game is just over, isn't it?" It's like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, and even like, like Treasure Mage, I think is like actually a really sweet card in this deck. The fact that it gets you so many like, you know, great cards. I mean, either in the main deck it is Primeval Titan, or Thundering Titan, or Wormcoil Engine. But like, this deck is 
sweet and powerful. Like, what more do you want? Yeah. I I wonder if more people were willing to play this deck, would it put up more results? Because I really do think, like we're saying, there's a very powerful selection of cards here. I sometimes wonder if maybe just the optimal configuration hasn't been figured out. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, Shock Troop has been working on this deck forever, but I... I just don't ever see anybody else playing it. So if you only have one person working on it, you know, I feel like they can only refine something oh so much. Yeah, and like once again, like I'm I'm assuming that these these numbers are intentional and a work of art, but like at the same time, like the one snapcaster, two nimble obstructionist split is like interesting to me. Um the two copies of Dismember, like, I'm not sure if that's necessarily actually better than, like, Pongify, for example. Um, and, like, they're obviously playing, like, Mindslaver, and they're playing, like, they're two Mindslavers and, like, one Shark Typhoon. Um, but, like, do you really need two Mindslavers to go with your Academy Runes? Are you okay with one because you have the Treasure Mage? Like, do you just double your Treasure Mages? And have one mind slaver instead. Like there's, there are a lot of questions here. Actually, you're probably right. Like these aren't. This is probably not like the best build, but it's just what they're working with. Uh, it'd be interesting to to talk to Shock Trooper. I've never actually. Do they do, do they actually stream? I know that they used to. I don't think I've seen them streaming recently. So perhaps they've stopped. Okay. Maybe we'll have to hunt down Shock Trooper. Shock Trooper, if you're listening, please please email the show at darkdepthpod at gmail.com so we can get your opinions on this deck. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw this through a league, too. Cause I, this, I mean, it's not expensive. It's 115 ticks. Like, this deck is definitely uh, playable. All right. Um, and also, too, they have your favorite card on the sideboard, Confounded Conundrum. Um, they're also playing like Trinosphere and Crucible of Worlds. Like this deck is, seems pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if "sweet"s the word I'd use for it. Annoying, <laughs> annoying, frustrating. These are words I would use, but yeah, you know, teach their own. Yeah. Um, they also do have two copies of Leyline of Sanctity in the board, which I'm pretty sure you can cast. If you go Talisman of Progress into, ooh man, they have the pathway, don't they? The blue white one. No, the the, the clear water is the blue black one. Never mind. Can't cast it. Can't ca gemstone caverns if you have that on turn. Oh uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, yeah. I, it's just interesting. And this, we were talking about this before. Like, if you can actually cast your, your ley line, it's, it makes more sense to have less of them. And, like, this deck has the ability to discard them, right? Because they're also playing Thirst for Knowledge, which is also a really sweet card. I'm, I'm happy that's in this deck. Um, but, like, I feel like you want the second Talisman of Progress so you could potentially cast your ley line, I think, to do. But maybe it's just, like... It's just for the matchups where you're desperate and you don't you don't really care because the mulligan down to the four cards to hit it. Well, for the matchups that you're desperate, I would think you would want more than two. Exactly. I would, I would think four would be better. 
just you know especially since you can discard them mm-hmm. yeah and like I guess like and one thing the, the deck seems a little odd to me in some spots like the tectonic edge I guess is for you know your scapeshift matchups um they have one copy of Surgical Extraction, which is which is fine, but and a copy of Crucible of World, so they can. I, I'm assuming that's to combo with the Tech Edge, but maybe it's to combo against you getting um, LD consecutively. Like there are some things I'm I'm I've got questions about, but I yeah, I mean I'm not even gonna pretend to understand. I just. This just isn't the deck for me. Yeah. You say that, you know, honestly, you say that now, and like, I can imagine you, like, you finally get to untap with seven mana, and you cast that worm coil engine for the first time, and you're like, oh, this is it. I found it. I've, I've played Tron before. I, I've i played this deck before. Okay. Have you gotten to Condescend some for seven? Sorry, what was that? Sorry. Have you gotten to Condescend something for seven yet? I have not gotten to condescend something for seven, and I never will. I have played, not this deck, I actually played in um, standard, like a blue-white um, control deck. Um, and I did get the Mind Slaver somebody, and then I cast the, a spell on their turn and condescended for zero, and I made them not pay for z- uh, pay zero, and then I got to scry too. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> so... Anyways, we should probably move on from this deck. Yeah, for sure. All right. So there's also a uh, Modern PTQ action this weekend, too. So uh, congratulations to uh, Burn the Stories uh, playing a four-color Uro list, uh, which it's, it's four-color Uro in Modern. It's We actually talked about this list uh, all the time. It's, it's something crazy. Omnath and Uro and Planeswalkers and fun stuff like that. Um. There also are two copies of Amulet Titan decks in the top eight, too. Uh, one by uh, Freed Mania, another one by uh, did I guess. <laughs> um, you're actually playing this, this latter list, right? Yeah, so I'm in the middle of a league with this list right now. Um, it's going okay. So, unless... I- Pun not intended. Unless I'm mistaken, this is uh, the person who goes by the Twitch handle mistaken, and I have been <laughs> I have been playing this list. Uh, I was told that the so the amulet matchup against four color is not good, uh, but I was told that the arrows make the matchup much better. Uh, mistaken has said they are ninety. On a 94% win rate over their last 85 games with the sack. That's absurd. Which, <laughs> yeah, those are very good numbers. Uh, I think they got like two more trophies yesterday and like two trophies the day before. Just every day I feel like they're like, I'm 9 1, I'm 10 0, I'm 8 2. So this is, you know, obviously one of my favorite decks. But it is not great against, you know, it's supposedly not great against the, the deck that is most popular right now. But if that matchup is fixed, then this is something I am interested in playing. So this deck is interesting. It's playing two copies of Uro, um, it's copy a, a main deck copy of Primal Command, and then one copy of Turn Timber Symbiosis. So um, Uro, I guess, 
I'm not familiar with seeing it in this deck. Does it have the same kind of effect where it's just ramping, kind of bridging you to like a primeval titan, I guess? Yeah, it's also another threat you can play. I mean, obviously. Uh, it's it seen play on and off since it's come out in this deck. It's it's pretty good. I mean, your green and blue are obviously the colors you're heaviest in anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, also, really nice is it's a giant, which you're already naming giant for your mm-hmm. cavern of souls so that you can play your primeval signs. Yeah. But when you are escaping Uro, you're still casting it. So you can escape it uncounterable with uh, with cavern, which is really nice. That's cool. It's um, it's just another good threat, and you know, obviously, it's good against control decks because you can keep bringing it back. It doesn't matter as much if it gets countered. Uh, it's very good for your grindy matchups, and since there are so many aggressive decks right now with red black shadow and mono red prowess, gaining three life is not trivial. It also, um, it's a good follow-up to Arboreal Grazer also, which is a very minor thing, but the Curvin Amulet is, can be awkward. Uh, and like having Arboreal Grazer on one and then having your follow-up be explored just like doesn't always make sense. So it's nice actually having more three drops. Not that you were short of three drops with Azusa and Dryad anyways, but having more still just makes me feel better. Yeah, if it hurts. Okay. Yeah, it's, it seems interesting. So yeah, tell me how the rest of the league definitely goes because one thing I got the I got my little taste of Amulet before. So if there's a decent list, I would definitely play it. I mean, Amulet's a wonderful thing, and I kind of don't want to tell people to play it because the mirrors are horrendous. But mm. I also want other people to experience the same joy I experience. <laughs> yeah, this deck is. Interesting, like I, because we were talking before about turn timber symbiosis, and like that was a card you were saying people were like considering being like you know three or four of, and it's interesting they only play one of in this list. Yeah, I have played it as a four of in the past. It's been really good. I'm not sure how they arrived at one. I think it's just they had to cut some number to to facilitate Uro, mm-hmm. uh, which does make sense to me. And if you think Uro is that good. That makes sense cutting down. I'm kind of surprised that the Primal Command is in a second turn timber symbiosis. Hmm. Also, I've always historically been low on Primal Command, so maybe that's just a me thing. I know it's really good against Shadow, and it can be good against Control. I just, I don't know. This is going to sound really dumb. I just want it to be an instant. The fact that it's not an instant drives me nuts. Well, to be fair, I feel like if it, it was an instant, it would be like, it would cost one green mana, and you know, obviously there would be a lot of issues. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, the Primal Command, I mean, like, it, I feel like it does so many, like, messed up things if it's an instant. Like, I don't want you to put a, like, non-creature permanent on top of my deck at, like, an instant speed. That seems brutal. Um, even, like, especially versus, like, something like Dredge, like, being able to shuffle their library back in their graveyard is bad enough, but, like... If you're doing it with a bunch of uh, triggers in the stack, you know, from something like Creeping Chill or, like, um, Price and Malcolm, like, that, that's, like, a little harsh, so. So what you're saying is you agree it should be an instant? No. I think, I think it's, like, it would definitely need to cost more. I think it would probably end up costing, like, six, maybe, um, as an instant. It, it would just be really nice if I could do stuff like 
in return, I see my opponent has four mana up. So bounce one of their lands, so now they don't have cryptic command mana going into my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've never liked tutoring something at sorcery speed. That's always made me feel weird. Yeah, like, you do get to tutor, like, an Oladomri's call, but, like, it's only a creature, I guess, for better or worse. Um, but I, I don't know if that's... I, I also feel like that card's actually really good, too. I feel that card's probably underplayed, all things considered. Um, but the Primal Command to Searching for a Creature... I mean, obviously, you still have to reveal the card, but I think because it's stapled on to another effect, being able to tutor for a creature plus... Um, like I think if you if you say primal command is or you know searching for creatures worth two mana, then you're saying seven life is three mana or putting a creature on top of the library is three mana. Like a, and actually kind of matches up with something like title Eddie, um, and being able to shuffle their graveyard in, which is like, kind of like a Gaia's blessing, right? Like that's also probably worth, um, three ish mana I guess modern standard. So that that seems about right. Nah. <laughs> uh, Alright, um... Yes, and sideboard seems pretty straightforward. And I, I, I feel like I bring this up all the time, but I always love the boils in the sideboard here in your Dryad deck. I, I know they, they don't really cross paths too often, but I, I just always think it's funny. Yeah, it's really weird to me. I don't know. I... I I also totally get it. Yeah. But, like, I played a match earlier today, and my opponent and I both had Dryad, and I was just thinking to myself, like, do, do I just board them out? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're going to bring in Boil. Yeah. And I also brought in Boil. Um, I mean, none of it mattered because I just killed my opponent on turn three. Oh, okay. But Let's go. it was. <laughs> I was just like, I feel like I'm supposed to cut it. But. I mean, I didn't, because Dryad is super powerful, so yeah. hard to cut it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, like, in playing the deck, this was that was definitely one of the cards I was mo- the most impressed by. Um, just being able to get, like, the kind of gross Valka turns um, just definitely makes the card just that much more impressive. Uh, talking about Valka, by the way, I don't know if you saw the Scapeshift list. Um... And, like, this seems... Like, I know we were talking before uh, about Scapeshift, but this list in my mind looks like a lot. <laughs> um, so, obviously, I've seen this list because I want Scapeshift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played with this exact configuration yet, but I will be checking it out at some point. I'm not really sure what you mean by it. It seems like a lot. I just, you know, saying, like, I know Escape Shift is like at its heart like a the like control combo deck, right? Like it's um, kind of like Splinter Twin was, rest in peace, Splinter Twin. Um, just the copies of um, Uro kind of makes sense to me, right? Like Ramp Slands helps bridge into the next thing. The Renesix, I guess, on, on the control plan, kind of makes sense that it's there. Um, and obviously they have things like they have lightning bolts and is a charm is a good flex card there. Uh, Remand extends the game a little bit, um, and obviously cryptic command is very good. Um, the 
the Shark Typhoons are one of those cards that, that kind of catches me off guard. I'm just, like, not used to seeing Shark Typhoon in this kind of deck that um, is, you know, trying to and normally kill you with the, you know, the Valid Kits off the Scapeshift. Just the, the Shark Typhoons just kind of catch me off guard. So, I haven't tried a list with the Shark Typhoons yet, but they make a lot of sense to me for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think they just do a lot of small things that this deck is interested in doing. So first, they are just an alternate uh, an alternate win condition. <clears throat> you can just make some sharks and attack in. You and between them and the Uro, and the Lightning Bolt, especially with the Snapcaster Mage and the Ren and Six, I think you win way more games with just normal attacking and like chip damage with the bolts than people would think. Okay. So they are another way to do that. Uh, there's also a fair number of games where you are trying to cast Scapeshift on seven lands, which will deal 18 damage. But your opponent is at 21 because they played an Uro, or they're, you know, they've gained a little bit of life in some other way, so they're slightly too high, or maybe they're even just at 20. Uh, so having just a single shark hit sometimes will get you over the line. Okay. Uh, and beforehand, Stack was playing Opt, which was always fine, but never great uh so shark typhoon has kind of just taken the place of opt and early game they're comparable opt is obviously going to be better on like turns one through probably three-ish uh, it gives you a little bit more control over what you're doing um but shark typhoon isn't that much worse they're both still just a cantrip they both fuel your RO. but late game Shirk Typhoon, I think making the body is just much more relevant than having slightly better card selection. So I think the Shark Typhoon really just kind of fills in a lot of roles that this deck kind of wants. I don't necessarily know if it's the best at doing any of them, but it's it makes sense to me on the surface, at least. It's just like a good like, role player in this deck. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you've ever just resolved a Shark Typhoon and sat there, but it's very hard to lose so when you good. have a Shark Typhoon to play. Yeah. Um, I got to, in standard, I got to Shark Typhoon and then Shark Typhoon. Um, I I won that game, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just one thing, just, you get to go wide uh, so easily. But I mean, like, yeah, you're right. There definitely are some games where you can make a a three three shark in a turn. Your opponent can't can't, uh, can't counter it, and you just end up getting in for like nine or twelve points of damage um, before they have to deal with it. So I, that definitely makes sense in this deck. That there was, I want to say one of the games I was watching because you were playing a scapeshift deck uh, this past week. Um, but there was definitely a game I think you had where you could deal. Like I think they were like. 19 or something like that but it's just like that extra like point or two it's like well i guess i have to wait to get one more land so i can you know get them a double valicate um instead of being able to just hit them with one so i definitely see that that actually is a really good point it does account for an extra one or two points when you need it yeah it and then also there were games where like my opponents would go very low on life total just because once they're under 18, some people figure it doesn't matter, so they'll go down to 9. Mm. And at that point, it's very easy to kill them, especially when you still have three mans or cryptic commands or force negations to back up. 
Okay, can you help me with this mystery? We've got some pretty dope cards on the sideboard, but we are rocking one copy of Gaius Blessing. Are we really that concerned about Blue-Black Mill that we're playing Gaius Blessing here? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those decks where once you stop respecting it, it's very terrifying. That being said, uh, personally, out of this deck, I just wouldn't even bother. That matchup is atrocious. That matchup will be atrocious even with a copy of Guy's Blessing, because if they just surgical your Valakai, you're in pretty rough shape. Um, although, again, the Shark Typhoon's another angle to attack from there. So between the Shark Typhoon's and the Uros, you might actually still be able to win that matchup. Cool. Okay. Yes, that's definitely cool. Alright, well, I guess we're done with Modern then. Um, let's take a look at the Legacy events. There are two Legacy challenges this past weekend. Um, and I, th I've, I've been th I think I said this last week too. I'm like pretty bored by these top eights. There's, there's like just Snoko. We get to see Mono Green Cloud Post again. There's Ultrazi Stompy, which is always a delight. Um, there is an Izzy Delver list I do want to talk about in third place, um, but there's an also another Izzy Delver list on Sunday, too, so I want to look at that top eight first. Um, so congrats to uh, Leo Fa for winning with Snowco on Saturday. Um, congrats to XJ Cloud winning with Death and Taxes on Sunday, and I think this deck is actually pretty sweet, too. It's a... Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a Yorian Death and Taxes list in Legacy. That's really that's really dope. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that appeals to me, but each their own. It is, it is nice seeing uh, them actually work on Yorian. Yeah, because Yorian I'm used to seeing in like the, um, you know, those. I can't really think of it. Uh, straight for a pile with those kind of those kind of decks. I'm not used to seeing it in depth and taxes, um, but and like the deck is pretty straightforward as far as like cards you would include. Um, they do get to put a Sanctum Prelate in the main deck, um, also Remorseful Cleric and a Charming Prince, which is a little out of left field. Um, same thing with a Walking Ballista, and they also get to add a couple copies of Path to Exile. The Sword of, Sword of Feast of Famine, which is normally found on the sideboard, ends up making it into the main deck here, too. Um, I really do like the... It's cute uh, playing the Charming Prince along with the Urian, though. That's really cool. Yeah, that interaction is surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. I also think Charming Prince is good, just kind of as a fifth flicker wisp. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just a good effect. I mean, like, obviously, the Charming Prince can't exile other creatures. Um, it only exiles creatures you can you own, um, but it still is a really cool effect. And being able to blink all the come into play effects that you have at death and taxes, um, it's always useful. And was like the I side. I think you ran in this archetype. Just sorry. No, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think you ran in this archetype. Just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like the deck, it, the deck itself is pretty redundant like you you're happy with Skycleave Apparition you're happy with Recruit of the Guard you're happy with Thalia um, Spear of the Labyrinth I think has gotten a lot better in the past couple weeks 
you have all these effects that you're happy playing anyways. So like going getting up to eighty cards is like not an issue, right? Like the a lot of the lists we're playing when they're playing sixty cards are playing like two copies of the Spirit of the Labyrinth. Um, you're not unhappy to play up to four. Like you're playing two because you really only have room for two, not because you know the deck needs to play two. So um, it's good you get to kind of fit in some of the, these other cards. Um, the Walking Ballist is definitely one of the cards to me that kind of surprises me like that seems like one of the cards that um might be you know a stretch but like the walking ballista does no go ahead yeah i've seen it in 60 card versions of the deck before and i don't know that it's something you want to draw a lot Mm -hmm. but when you just have one copy out of 80 cards and you have four recruiter the card to find it up i think it just makes sense as to a removal yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's just like it's a good additional effect if you have the room for it. And this deck definitely you know, has the room for it. Um, the one thing I think is funny, and we, we talked about this a little earlier, like you have 80 cards. You can play whatever you want. You you know, the world's your oyster. And like, I'm still going to play one copy of Phyrexian Revoker, right? <laughs> um, and like, my, it's interesting that you would live in a world where like one Revoker is still like the appropriate amount with. Um, in 80 cards. Like, I think that's just interesting. Do you think that is more to do with the weakness of Phyrexian Revoker or the strength of Skyclave Apparition? I think and it has to do with the strength Solving of... a lot of the problems that uh, Phyrexian Revoker used to solve. I think it's the strength of Apparition. I, I mean, like, and in the league I did play with Death and Taxes, um, once again, like, cards that I would want to... <laughs> cards I would want to shut off. Um, like, I got the Exile Gite. Got to exile an Oko. Like, I exiled a lot of Okos. Um, but, like, those are the cards I actually care about, and they just get answered automatically, anyways, with Skyclave Apparition. So, and once again, because you can um, blink it so easy with Flicker Whip and, and this deck with Urian and Charming Prince, like, I'm not, I'm actually not even sure why the Revoker is in the deck at this point. Like, it's it's two mana, I guess, is the big advantage, but. Stop selling me. I mean, so does Skyclave Apparition. I mean, I guess it's proactively it stops it, right? So I guess that, that would be maybe a little better. I think it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it, but, like, I, I do think that's interesting that we, we eventually just kind of not gave up, but, um, like I was saying before, there was there was a point in time where, like, you playing, you know, three or four Revokers was, like, kind of expected. Now it's just interesting we're down to just playing one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this deck seems solid. I mean, like, it's interesting, too. I, I would like to hear what XJ Cloud was thinking about, you know, the difference, I guess, between playing the 80-card version and 60-card version. I mean, they've been doing really well with the 60-card version, so it's just fascinating they'd be willing to kind of make the change. Uh, so I, I do know he posted his thoughts about it on Twitter. Okay. So you can definitely find them there. I know he was originally opposed to playing the 80-card version, and then um, Luna talked him into it. And okay. obviously he just turned around and won. <laughs> That's always good. It's always like, I always like the feeling where you're like, I don't know about this, and then it's like, I guess I'll try it. And I'm like, oh, this deck is insane. My bad. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so on Sunday also we had just kind of pointing out some interesting decks. 
a copy of Omnitel, which I, I always like to see Omnitel. I think it's always fun just to see. It's weird. The weird that I like seeing Omnitel? Yes. Well, it's just like, is this one of those cards that when you, or one of the decks when you play against it, you're like, is that, is that Omnitel? It's Omnitel. Um, and like they play Intuition, which I feel like not enough decks in uh, this format play. They play Impulse, they're playing Cunning Wish. Like these are three cards. Yeah, sure. Whatever makes you happy, Billy. Good. Whatever makes me happy. Yeah. Um, they're also playing Arkham's Afterlife, too, which I, I don't think I've seen that in Omnitel, but... I don't know. It's been seen playing there, especially because some some people were also playing Ice Fink Waddles, too. Oh. I know those have yeah. largely been cut at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Arkham's Afterlife are pretty good because they make your soul lands actually tap for uh, the colors that you need them to, which is nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. I'm yeah, there... I don't think it's as important in the blue-green list, but, like, in the blue-white list, it meant that you could actually do stuff like turn one, play an Astrolabe, turn two, play, like, City of Traders into Teferi. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, they're also playing um the veil summers in the main deck too which i i really like i think uh, one thing in that card is just backbreaking a lot of spots so it's uh cool to see it just in the main deck just like protecting their combo here yeah it's much better than i mean these decks used to just play um like fluster storm and mm-hmm. it seems way better than that ever was yeah uh, okay so Indulge me for a moment. I want to talk, look at the Is It Delver list. Um, there was one on Saturday playing um, by Excel, Excel 0679. Um, and there was one on Sunday by, uh, my brain says, I keep wanting to say Mendelev, but it's definitely not Mendelev. Med, Vedev, Mendelev? I guess. I don't know. Um, but, like, the two lists, are, I think, are interesting. Um, they're both... I mean, they still have the same core, right? Like, it's an Issa Delver list. They're playing... Uh, Delver Secrets are playing Dreadcore Arcanist. Um, kind of where they're just starting to differ, these two lists, at least, is that they're both playing Spike Dragons. Uh, I'm going to call this deck, this person, Med. Uh, Med's playing four copies of Spike Dragons. Um, the other list is playing two copies of Spike Dragons with one copy of Brazen Borrower and two copies of Ethereal Forger. Um, which I think is interesting just because uh, Med's list is going to be a, a little bit more aggressive because it's playing the four Spike Dragons. But the um, Excel version with the Brazen Bar and the Ethereal Forger looks like it's, I guess, hoping to go a little bit longer. Have you played with Ethereal Forger at all? No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, this sounds... You're, you're going to be upset with me. I have not played with Is It Delver. I've wanted to for, for literal months now, but it's way over my borrow limit, and I didn't play with it during... <laughs> when we had the, the God accounts, I didn't play with it, so I just haven't gotten to play with Is It Delver yet. It's it's very upsetting to me. I mean, this sounds like your fault at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I my mana trader's limit is, like, up to, like, 415 now, so I've, if I wait, like couple more years i'll probably be able to get up to 750 i mean there's a cap for how high it goes oh no okay well 
doesn't just go up forever. <sighs> Jeez, I hope it did. I think it would have ma- like, capped that after like what three years or something. <sighs> Man, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's upsetting though. I have I have this deck in in paper. I just don't have it online. Actually, I don't think I own Forge Forgers yet. I have to pick those up at some point. They're Do like you own all your Volks? I know you were missing some. No, so I still on paper I only have two. I only have two Volks in, in paper. So I'll have to get the third one eventually. I was I was going to, I just it's like one of those things with obviously with the house, I do not wanna um suggest to my wife that I pick up a four hundred dollar land that I will play <laughs> for the next year. Foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. I um when I I so I finished buying actually I think I'm still missing a couple cards for the sideboard, but like you know, I'm like five dollars away from finishing Pokepile. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing around Delver and I was like, damn it. I really want like <laughs> almost two thousand dollars more in dual hands, but yeah. also I'm not doing that. Yeah, I think if you, it's like hard to convince your significant other that you you really need you know, two thousand worth of real estate when you literally just bought a hundred thousand dollars plus of real estate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely want to try this list, the, well, the Excel list out, just because I do, I always think, and this is my opinion at least, I, I like the aggressive versions, um, like, uh, Ment playing, like, they're playing the Force Bright Dragons, um, you know, four Lightning Bolts and three Chain Lightnings, uh, copy of Pyroblast in the main, which I think is just good, um, uh, two copies of Force Indication, which I think are kind of, like, mandatory in this format, I just think there's too many Okos running around. And even, like, decks that aren't Oko um, are just being, like, generally unfair. Like, even something like um, Ulster Dementia is, um, you know, really good um, against you. Something like, um, obviously, Goblin Charbelcher has seen an uptake, and all the Storm decks have been um, really popular. So I think the Force Negation is kind of mandatory. Um, and I do like the idea of trying, just trying to get your opponent dead, and I think this deck does a good job of that. Um, but I also do f- like to keep in mind that there are other decks besides um, that, like you know, just trying to kill them quickly isn't really a strategy. Um, and like the Forger is really good at going going longer against uh, something like um, Rug Delver. Like, I, I think that's one of those cards that being able to kind of buy back uh, a bunch of removal spells is, is very valuable. Being able to buy back a Pyroblast, actually, from Ethereal Forger is, like, super good. Like, being able to, like, kill a Delver early, um, and then being able to, like, um, buy it back to counter a um, Oko later in the game is, like, super good. Um, and I, I always like having access to someone like Spell Pierce. Um, and, I, and, like, you still have all the same removal, the Stifle seems a little awkward, though. I don't really like... I, I think we've had this discussion before, too. I don't really like Stifle as a one-of. Like, I think if you're going to play Stifle, you play, you play, you know, four, you play zero. One of the nice things about a one-of Stifle, though, is sometimes when you show it, your opponent just play awkwardly for the rest of the game. You don't even need to have more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it definitely is one of those cards that puts people on tilt. It's, well, it's like... I don't want to tilt, but I guess I'm like just like high alert. Um, it's like the first time 
when you're like playing against um, Storm, um, and I think I meant to talk about this last week with the like when they used to play Dread of Night. The number of times I would be like, "Oh God, to play Dread of Night, okay, I gotta, I gotta be careful now." And like, I you know, very carefully playing like one, one drop at a, or one creature at a time, and then I'm like post board, I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm just gonna cut these stupid one toughness creatures." Like being able to affect the way your opponent plays, and like them be like, "Oh, I only have one Dread of Night in the deck. I, I can't, I can't just find that at will." Um, it's really good, but like, and Stifle is definitely one of those effects when it when you get stifled, it just hurts because it's like, I really need this. I really need to go find my uh, Gta off my Stoneforge Mystic. He's like, no, no, you don't. Um, it's like I need to put, like put my Battle Skull in, or I'm gonna be way behind. Like, no, no, you're not. Um, oh, I always let them put Battle Skull in. I don't let them get the trigger. The trigger of the token. Yeah, that feels, that feels good. Yeah, I I feel like. I normally, the times I have played Stifle, I usually Stifle, like, the Fetchlands, which obviously is, like, insane. Like, the one-mana Stone Rain. Um, stifling, and I guess being able to Stifle, like, the Storm Triggers are also pretty good. Um, stifling fast as Oracle is really good, because then your opponent almost always loses. Yeah, I do like that. That sounds cool. So, yeah, maybe, like, maybe that's, like, um... Well, I mean, obviously, I'm never playing this deck because my mandatory limit will never go this high, but um, I definitely do want to try out the Foragers um, sometime soon. Uh, hopefully it's not in paper the first time I get to play it just because that's a long, a long ways away, but I do think this deck, I always think Blue Red Delver is just one of my favorite decks to play um, in general, so I do definitely want to try this at some point. Uh, I don't. I do. I do want to point this out too. I like playing surgical extraction. Like I think, um, Excel's playing two copies in their list. Um, Medivev is playing four copies of surgical extraction. I feel like that. I feel like that's too much. Four copies is aggressive. Yeah. Like I just like if you're looking at their list, they're playing two copies of um, Blazing Volley, uh, three copies of Pyroblast. Uh, four surgical, one null rod, one blood moon, two fourth negations, and two submerge. Um, and I, I'm actually okay. I like, I like submerge. I've, I'm always a big fan of submerge. I, lo- I love null rod. That's one of my favorite uh, cyborg cards for um, is a delver. Um, and like, I feel like I don't know if you want to go up to four pyroblast though. Like, I feel like at some point you just play like the first like reb instead, just for diversity but maybe i'm wrong um so i think the reason to maximize pyroblast is because it works as fight the sprite dragon whereas red elemental blast does not i mean obviously red elemental blast makes your sprite dragon bigger yeah but you can't just cast it with no without having a target that it will actually affect whereas pyroblast you could target it with planes yeah that's true but i mean like you're not you're not playing, you're not bringing in Pyroblast out of the board for your, I, I guess they could still be playing blue cards and be playing planes. Like it could be versus like miracles or something like that. Okay. Great. Or also you could just reach a point where the board is empty other than your Sprite Dragon. And if you are able to cast one spell, then you have lethal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just sitting there looking at a red elemental blast and you can't cast it and then your opponent untaps and has a swords to plowshares, like how mad are you? Yeah, that's true. 
Okay. So, it, I think... I don't know. I feel like in, like, you're looking at um, Excel's list, like, they're playing uh, things like, um, you know, copies of Flusterstorm. Like, I like Flusterstorm. I like... I love a Braid, actually, too. They're playing two copies of Braid in Excel's list. And I think having the option to have a little bit of, like, heavy removal as well as artifact removal is super huge. Um, Narset Parter Veils I haven't been a big fan of, but, like, I, I do understand the appeal there. Um, I just feel like playing four copies of Surgical Protection is kind of limiting you. Um, to what you could be effective against. So maybe that's something to reconsider, too. Yeah, well, maybe that's just their plan for beating Ura, though. And just like Sergio Attractor. Yeah, I guess definitely an option. Um, Ford does still seem like a lot, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point you just could consider playing, like, the first Tormod's Crypt or, like, the first... Um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called, uh, Soul Guide Lantern. Like, at that point, like, if that's really what you're concerned about, but, and, like, obviously it has, it does not have the same synergy with, um, your creature suite, and maybe that's why, um, they're trying to do that. I guess it's still actually a synergy with Sprite Dragon, but not with Arcanist or, uh, Delver Secrets. But, like, if you're really that scared of Uro, I, I would just consider playing, playing one of those cards instead. But... All right, that was a lot of stuff. Um, let's move on from here then. Um, all right, so we got coming up this weekend, unless I'm mistaken, uh, we have the showcase challenges, right? Yep. Awesome. So can you can you actually play in both of them, or you can only play in one? Okay, so uh, last week I incorrectly said that I would be playing in both. I mean, there's still time for it to be correct, but I was mistaken about how many QPs they cost. I thought they cost 30, and they cost 40. So I am in between being able to play in one and two. Uh, it, it's, it's hard, because the easiest way to get QPs is to play in prelims, mm -hmm. but the prelim schedule does not line up very well for me. The only formats I, I mean, so I like to play limited too, but you know, effectively, I only play Modern and Legacy on Moto. Mm -hmm. And the way the prelim times are scheduled, I can only play in one Legacy prelim a week and zero Modern prelims. Oh. So <laughs> I have only played in a handful of prelims, and I have gone three, two in all of them, except for one that I played on basically no sleep and just crashed and burned. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I played very poor. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm possibly going to be able to play in a prelim tomorrow, which is unusual for me. And I think I can play in a Pioneer one on Friday if there's any decks in that format that look fun to me. So if I can go 4-1 or 5-0 in one of those, then I will play in both showcase challenges. Uh, fortunately for me, outside of the showcase challenges, um, Team Lotus Box is running, uh, specifically Anorag, but all of Team Lotus Box and Dice City are partnering to run a Legacy 1K on Moto on Sunday. So if I do not qualify for, I guess qualify is not the right word, but if I don't manage to make it to the 80 QPs in time, I will probably just play the Modern Challenge on Saturday and then play in that Legacy 1K on Sunday and also spend my weekend trying to qualify for the Mana Traders event at the end of the month because this month is Legacy. 
which is awesome. I was, I was it's last month was like was like standard, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. But like, Legacy, I'm on board for. I'm excited for that. Yeah, although I don't think I can play in the events that happens. You like busy that weekend? So my schedule at work gets made three weeks in advance for associates and a month in advance for managers. Mm -hmm. And this month, uh, they're holding... So I knew it was going to be Legacy, so I took off for the last weekend of the month. But then they announced that it's not the last weekend of the month this month, which is the first time that they have not... (laughs) This is going to be the first time they've done it in the second to last weekend. Oh, jeez. So so I'm pretty sure I requested off the wrong weekend. Uh, but it's not going to stop me from trying to qualify and possibly just playing on zero sleep and being free wins for some opponents. Oh, man. I, I guess the fourth weekend is like a couple of days after Thanksgiving, so I guess they moved it up a week to make it easier, uh, make it yeah. better for people. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe that's what it is. All I know is it actually made it worse for me. Yeah. Darn manager is being convenient and having competitive prices for their lens. I still want that sponsorship, by the way. If anyone's from Manitrader, hit us up. I would love to get a uh, sponsored account from you. But <laughs> um, Okay, so if you are... I guess it does... I'm not sure if this matters for, like... I guess, going into it, but, like, are you planning... If you're planning on playing in the Legacy Showcase Challenge, um, or if you're planning on playing in the... You're trying to qualify for the Manitrader's event, are you playing the same deck, or would you play a different deck depending on what you're trying to trying to do? Uh, I would probably play the same deck because that's too much thought to put into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. I... At this point, um, based off of how I've been feeling this week and the amount of time I've been able to put in the Legacy, mm-hmm. I would be playing Depths. I still think, um, as, assuming I'm able to get good rest Friday night, like actually be like refreshed by this weekend, I'm probably going to play the Rugged Over list that has Uros and Sylvan Libraries in the main deck. Okay. Uh, for the Mana Traders since I care slightly less about it, I'm probably just going to play Depths either way because it's more fun for me. Uh, okay. Or I might just hop around. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? What would you be playing? I still... Well, the last time I played... Well, I guess not the last time because I've played in a couple of the Manitrader's events since then. Um, the last time that I was stressed about trying to qualify... Um, I was trying to play quickly, so that was in modern. We talked about this on the show. I played Red Black Shadow, um, and I got ten matches done in a matter of two hours. Um, I'm planning to take a little bit more time. I actually just want to try to see if I can hit the hit the leaderboard this time for um, Legacy, just because I think Legacy is more fun um, than try to. I, grind. I honestly don't even know what the upside to hitting the leaderboard is. I know it exists, but I. Just... I'm not familiar with what it is. I think there's prizes if you hit, like, top eight on the leaderboard. Like, I think it's, like, significant prizes. Um, I don't think I can find it, actually. Um, But, so, because I don't have to stress about hitting, um, like, qualifying, because one thing I 
in the sounds, I guess, really cocky, I guess, out of context. Like, I 60% win percentage is, like, kind of a default for me. Like, I, I can 3-2 a league at will. Um, like, obviously, there are some times where it doesn't quite break my way, but, like, going 3-2 in over 10 matches is not um, not difficult in general. And I really hope you don't qualify now. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's assume I do. Um, God, I hope I do. I feel so bad if I don't know. Um, so let me see if I can find this. Uh, yeah, for the qualifying... Non-qualifying, so... Here we go. Yeah, so qualifier league price pool, um, you get a 1000 bucks for first place if you end up hitting that. Um, top 20 gets $50 store credit. Yeah, that's honestly just not enough incentive for me to play that over leagues, I don't think. Uh, I mean, like, well, my thing, too, is, like, if I'm going to be playing games anyways, like, um, it's really just... If you can hit, like, a decent win percentage, like, something like, um, like, because some of the people who are up top are, like, insane. Like, I think the one month someone had, like, an 85% win percentage. Uh, I think someone went, like, 27-2 and two or something like that, and they got first place, which gets you a grand. Like, that's really nice. Um, and, like, it's not like you're stressed out in a tournament. You're just, you're just playing against other people who are taking it degrees of seriousness. Um, if you think about, like, what I was doing before, I ended up going um, what, seven one in in the eight well the eight matches that I actually played, and I ended up getting a concession um, in round nine and conceding in round ten just to get my ten done. Um, but like, if I can go seven one three times, it gets me to um, twenty one and three, which is actually pretty close to um, you know it, that would have put me like in top. Five, I think, in in the in the modern month, like it's not unrealistic uh, for you to kind of have a hot streak and end up in the top ten by default, and that's that's a hundred bucks. Um, and once again, if you are stringing together some above average, you know, quote unquote leagues, um, you can very easily hit you know third place, something like that, and that gets you three hundred bucks. So. I, I, I would have to take it seriously. I guess it's, like, the downside. Like, I can't just, like, um, play whatever I want. But if you play a competitive deck, um, I, I don't think it's terribly hard. But I could be wrong. I could get totally punished in this qualifying league and not even qualify. But um, I, I think if I take it seriously, I could probably hit um, top ten for sure. Yeah, I mean, I might... I'm not even worried about it being too hard to hit. I, I just literally don't think there's enough upside when I can just, like, play leagues, have more fun playing whatever random nonsense I want, and, you know, make less, but be having a better time. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, m- money is not enticing for everybody. I mean, money is enticing, but there's just... There's too much chance of it, like, not breaking that way anyways. Mm-hmm. And if Magic... You know, as much as I like to get money out of my magic playing, it's more about having fun. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, each their own. Yeah, and like winning like, is also fun. But. Winning, winning is definitely fun. Like winning is the best. Um, but no, I mean, like the thing too is like, if I hit, if I end up going like you know thirty matches in and only have a seventy percent win uh, 
you know, win, and like, you know, 21 and 9 or whatever, like, I, I could just kind of give up and be like, I don't think I'm going to catch whoever's in first place. I'm, I'm qualified already. Who cares? And move on from there. So, like, there's a lot of places where you can kind of, like, drop out um, of the race if you're, if you kind of get behind. So, that's another a reason kind of go get into it. Like, there's very low, there's literally no cost to doing it, right? Um, and there's also a very low um, opportunity cost because, like, I was going to play matches anyways. So, plus, I can always just jump in leagues after that. But that's what I'm thinking about doing. Yeah, I mean. Whatever makes you happy, I guess. <laughs> also, I, I did just double check, and I will certainly not be playing in. Uh, will certainly not be playing in the Manitrader's event. That's yeah, unfortunate. I'm still gonna try to qualify just because I can. Oh, bragging rights, yeah. I mean, not even bragging rights. Like I don't know. I pro- I will probably knock somebody out of qualifying themselves. <laughs> feel a little bit guilty about it and then uh i don't know just like give at least one person a free win on, at the actual event just give my opponent a round one by be like good luck i hope you win mm-hmm. <laughs> and then go to sleep <laughs> well okay so you you said you would play other um you know the same deck regardless um I assuming I don't have to rush through this event, I'm probably gonna just play one deck. I, I do think there's like very clear, strong decks in this format. Like I think this, I think this format has really kind of shifted in where we see some decks that do have good weekends here and there. Like uh, Mono Green Cloud Post has been uh, showing up in the past couple weekends from these challenges. Uh, we've seen uh, Goblins actually had two to- um, two people in the top eight uh, this week too. Um, and we've seen some decks that have been really popular, things like um, Elves was more popular, um, kind of take a step back, same thing with Doomsday, um, and Hogak as well. So what do you think is a good deck to kind of land on uh, going into this weekend? Um, so I still think Elves is like, I don't even want to say quietly, but semi-quietly the best choice. I still think that's true. Again, I would just play Delver or Depths because they're what I'm more comfortable with. And I think they're also still good choices. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Elves is the deck. Yeah, I, think, I mean, Elves has, um, you know, has good matchups for Snoko, Delver, and Death and Taxes. Like, I think that's a, a good reason to kind of be there. And even, like, the matchup for Hogak is... Um, I think... I'm still not sure about that, actually. I've, I've played a, a decent amount on the Hogak side, and... Um, I might be 50% versus Elves. Um, I think it depends on, you know, if they find scavenging use in turn one and how well their sideboard games go, and if, also if they're playing Leyland of the Void in the board. Um, but I think Elves is favored um, versus Hogak, too. Um, I believe that to be the case, especially if they're playing uh, the Elvish Reclaimer package with the Jukabog. Mm-hmm. I know not everyone's playing that, but I believe those versions are definitely favored, but I believe all versions are favored. In yeah. general, anyways. Yeah, so I think that's, I think that's a good place to be. I um, obviously like XJ Cloud's been doing really well with Death and Taxes, but I mean there have been a num- number of other pilots who have been um, 
having really strong finishes, so maybe Death and Taxes is actually a good place to be. Um, I always like having Death and Taxes versus something like Team Redelver too. So, um, if assuming the matchup versus Snoko isn't as bad as I, I think it is, um, and I don't think it's terrible. I, I think we talked about Skyclave Apparition being a good counter for Oko, but the matches that I've played as Death and Taxes versus Snoko, I feel like inevitably um, ended up with my opponent having a um, Uro that got out of control. So I think unless you can check it with Rest in Peace, I think that's in Snoko's favor. But um, that's another deck I think might that might end up being kind of one of the best choices going into the weekend. So that's what we'd play in Legacy. Do you know if you were playing in the the modern showcase? Do you know what you would be playing? For modern, I I'm not sure. So I've been wanting to play. I said I kind of I should have, should have done this before. The Eurodex I think have been so good that like I feel like it's probably wrong not to be playing them. Um, but at the same time, I I feel like this format is just so weak to the white decks. Like, I think the white decks are in such a good position in the format that I think that's a good place to be. And as far as the white decks are concerned, the most popular decks have been, um, like, the green-white... They call them, like, Eldarmory's Toolbox decks, but those really heavy creature decks, um, which I we've talked about before. I'm not a big fan of. I don't think you're a huge fan of. Um, I don't really like blue-white control in this format either. Um, I just don't think that's necessary what you want to be doing. Like, I think something aggressive like humans is a, a great place to be. So I think I would probably end up playing humans if I if I had my choice. You know, people keep talking about humans. I wonder if Spirits is going to make a comeback anytime soon. Eh, it could. Um, I'm trying to think of my Spirits list. I haven't played Spirits in a while. Um, I, I feel think... like Spellcaller is pretty good right now, and that deck actually gets to play Skyclave Apparition. Yeah, I think Caleb Gerwald was playing um, a version that had the Skyclip apparition, and it's it's awkward. I don't know. I, I didn't get to see all of his matches. I only got to see a couple, but the Skyclip apparition definitely cleans up a lot of messes that um, that I couldn't get out of before. Um, but at the same time, the deck it does make the deck a little less um, flash. Centric, right? Because it obviously is a sorcery speed card outside of Collected Company. So, maybe? <laughs> like, I, I think it's one of those things that, like, because of the spirit, I'm actually not sure if it makes it better. Like, I don't think having a 3 3 Skyclave Apparition is great. Like, I think having an instant speed one through Rattle Chains is really nice. Um, but I'm not sure about necessarily having um, you know, it be larger or anything like that. Hexproof, obviously, is pretty good too. Um, my current plan is, well, I'm still undecided between a couple things. Uh, Green White Company is probably my top choice. Um, mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, I have not been able to play against Uro online. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know I, I've talked to you about this because you were going to help me test, but then I ended up being busy that day. Mm -hmm. um, but the Green White Company deck has been very good for me. I have been maintaining a positive record against everything i think everything okay. um over like around 10 leagues okay. um 
but literally just have not played against Urel a single time. So I don't know how that matchup is. I'm not comfortable going into the event without knowing how that matchup is. Yeah. Um, but so that is my front runner. Um, I might also just play an Urel pile myself. Uh, probably Scapeshift because even though people tell me I'm wrong, the deck felt very good. Um, it still had a couple small things that I would want to tweak, but I, I was actually very happy where my list is basically ended up. Um, and, you know, that's one of those decks where I, it's got a lot of the same benefits as the Piles. Like, it plays out very similar, but mm-hmm. I, I like the added upside of it gets actually just in the game against combo decks. Um, Hour of Promise is a very powerful card, but against something like Storm, like I don't like the thought that you prolong this game and then you're like, I'm going to play this five mana sorceries so that now I have threats with which I can kill you over multiple turns. I want to just be like, okay, I have stopped you from doing your thing for a couple turns, now you're dead. Yeah. And that's it. The game is ended. Um, and then lastly, I'm going to try this new list of Amulet. Um, obviously, I have a long history of playing Amulet, and I tend to default to it whenever I can. Um, mm. That being said, I don't think Amulet is the correct choice, even though I really want it to be. Um, and even if it is the correct choice, honestly, I've been playing so little Amulet over the last few months that I'm just out of practice. And even if it is correct, it might not be correct for me, even if it's the deck that I was known for. Yeah. Which is a good, I think that's a good place to be to like understand uh, when your deck, even if it's, you know, what are your favorite things to do, is not necessarily a good choice right now. Um, it, that's kind of how I feel about the Rector Shadow list. I, I really I love that list because that does a lot of things I really like doing in Modern. Um, but I also feel like, especially in these larger events, um, and like I'm kind of fl- flipping back through the challenges and whatnot, like I'm not really trying to play against um, Death of Doctors with this list. I'm not trying to play against the Uro lists. Um, and those decks are really all over the place. Even something like Amutite, and I think that matchup is like not actually um, positive for the Rector Shadow list. Um, so I really would rather not be there if I don't have to be. And thankfully, I don't have to be. I don't have to play that matchup um, if I don't want to, right? Just by not playing Rector Death Shadow. Um, the only other thing I would consider really playing would be something like um, like a Blitz deck, like a like Mono Red probably, and um, I still don't... I think the white decks are doing too much, or too prepared for that, too. Um, and once again, I don't want to play against Uro playing Mono Red. Like, there's nothing worse than play, like having my Monastery Swift Spear get brick-walled by an Uro. <laughs> that just, like, does not end positively. Um, and even, too, I, I don't know if this... I don't know if you've gotten this, too. I feel like whenever you play in um, challenges, like, the red-green... Um, like mid-range deck is just all over the place, um, and that matchup is just like not particularly fun for um, the mono red deck either. So I I think I'm probably just gonna skip any of that stuff. Uh, I would like to play Dredge too, but I that's another one I I kind of would have to feel out because I feel like that's not gonna be a good time for me. But like I've seen a lot more blue white control kind of popping up, so maybe that. Maybe that actually is a, a good deck for this weekend, but I'm just not sure. 
Yeah, I do see a lot of the red-green decks being play, which is another reason to not play Amulet. And another Shotkin's favor of Heliod Company, which actually has pretty good mana um, hmm. through it, because it plays a number of basics. Also, real quick, uh, Sleeper Pick. Is, I've seen a handful of people playing Burn lately, and I've heard that when built correctly, that actually has a good Uro Pyro matchup, which makes sense hmm. because the Uro deck is slow. Um, yeah. And it, it gets by by like gaining life off of the Uro. Mm -hmm. But the lists I've been seeing have been playing the Tarkus Command and Skullcracks in the main to just stop their opponent from gaining life. And I've even seen, um, I can't think of the name of it, but the new two mana enchantment that's basically. Um, oh, um. It's like you can pay one red to make players not gain life this turn. I can't think of. Rolling, there's another card that's like that. That's Roiling Vortex. So when you're thinking of yeah, so I've played against that a handful of times, uh, and against all the like, human decks uh, and all the creature decks, you have searing places which are really good. The matchup between Shadow and Bird is very complicated, but I think a good Burn player is slightly favored. I might be wrong about that. I could believe that. Yeah, I still. Think... I mean, I'm not playing this deck regardless because I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna have fun. Yeah, uh, and even though I want to win, I also have a good time. But I do think this might secretly be a good choice that people aren't talking about. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I think really this list. I'm um, looking at uh, Blue Plasma's list, which is a, actually a really dope name. Jeez, um, this deck is playing. Um, Two copies of Vital on the Great Revel in the main deck, and playing one of the Whirling Vortexes in the main, one on the board. Um, and I actually like, just from their sideboard too, they're playing three copies of Core Firewalker, which I think is a great card, um, just in this meta in general. Um, like, this is a, and they're playing copies of uh, Path to Exile and uh, Tormod's Crypt too. So even if you're worried about Uro, like, you do have ways to deal with it um, before it comes out of the graveyard. And also, uh, while it's in play. So you have a lot of outs to that, too. So, like, maybe that is a not a terrible spot to be in. Um, and a lot of those Uro decks, too, the, in regards to the Eidolon of the Great Revel, they do have a lot of cards that do that they need to set up. And Eidolon, is, at least, is going to punish them for trying to be slow and trying to develop that game plan. Um, yeah, that, that actually might not be a bad place to be. Well, I think I hear your dinner beeping at you in the background, so should we wrap it up? Yeah, for sure. All right, um, let's... Uh, do you have a story this week? Hmm. I didn't come prepared with a story, but I'm sure I can think of one real quick. Okay, well, let's... Well, I... Not much of a story, but we can just a... Uh, PSA, if we can do a PSA. Actually, actually, I have something. I forgot about this. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's not actually a story necessarily, but we got we got a uh, a letter. That's exciting. It is. Uh, it's actually so. This is our first first email from a from a person. People listen to our show. <laughs> it's so nice. Uh, this is actually from our friend uh, Patrick. Um, so he just said, uh, "Hi guys." Uh, I was going to text you that I've been listening to the podcast, but when you mentioned that you haven't gotten any emails, I figured this would work too. Awesome job. It's great to hear you too and your insight on some great formats. 
Thanks for sharing deck lists, lending decks, reversing slow play warnings, helping receive decks, talking strategy, picking great dinner locations, and just being all around great individuals. Looking forward to getting going to events together again, uh, Patrick. So thank you for this. Is, I'm, and I miss going to events. Oh my gosh, yeah, I miss going to events. I miss Patrick. I haven't seen Patrick uh, since. I was gonna say Eternal Weekend last year, but uh, that that can't be true, right? Is that, is that actually right? I might have seen uh, him. I can't. Be I don't right. know. I feel like I've seen him since then. I feel like I have too. I just can't think of where when it would have been. But I don't know. I know my wife saw him not too long ago. Okay, that's uh, good. Yeah, I know he he just had a well, you know, him and his wife just had a baby too, which is awesome. So, yeah. I, Hopefully, I want to get um, Raleigh and their and their child together at some point soon. See if they can be best friends. They could be best friends. They could be pen pals. <laughs> or he could he could move up here and they could be best friends in in person. But who knows? So yeah, but I was I was excited. This is a. Yeah, you know, not quite a, a story here, but it was, it was just nice to hear from a, a good friend and, you know, good to know people listen to the podcast, actually. Good to know we're not, our voice isn't just going into the abyss. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap up. Do you, uh, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and at Expedition Map on Twitch, where, again, I will be streaming a lot this weekend. So please watch me. Keep me company. Otherwise, I'll be bored and lonely. <laughs> well, I won't be bored because I'll be playing Magic. Of course. Or that lonely because I have dogs. But, you know, <laughs> I would like more company. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, you can also find the podcast at Depth underscore podcast. And if you would like to be... Uh, like Patrick himself, you could also email us at darkdepthpod at gmail.com. Um, and if you have something cool to say, we could read your email on the cast as well. All right, cool. Um, let's get out of here. I am going to eat dinner. I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, bye.